Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. history of motion pictures, there have been many big dog stars. Toto had a big adventure. Petey had a big appetite. Rin Tin Tin was a big hero. And Lassie had a big heart. You've come back. But now, Ivan Reitman, who brought you Ghostbusters, Kindergarten Cop, and Twins, proudly presents the biggest dog star of them all. Welcome to another episode of Rewatchability, part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by... Ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> Was that worth blowing out your mic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Annoying every single listener. Everyone just took their headphones out. Yes. Like, ah, oh, man, that hurt my ears. But that was really funny. So worth it. Uh, and I'm Blaine Waters. Okay. Well, this week on the show, I was so composed and things were going so well. We are going to be talking about the 1992? Did, what was composed upon? Right? Was that, uh, were you figuring that in here? No, it wasn't. But you're right. That was, would be an apt pun because we were talking about the 1992 dog-based comedy, Beethoven, <laughs> starring uh, Charles Grodin, Bonnie Hunt, a bunch of children you recognize from the 90s. And, of course, a giant St. Bernard. Uh, mm -hmm. Before we get into that, I do want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon donors. Those are the people who go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and donate a few bucks to help keep the show going. You know how it works. You listen to podcasts. I'm sorry. I'm going through everything really fast because I feel like there's a lot to talk about <laughs> with this movie. A whole lot. But seriously, thank you to our Patreon donors. Uh, we couldn't do the show without you, very literally. And uh, if you want to become a part of that rarefied club, yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash rewatchability. Okay, now, Beethoven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this yes. Is, this is a thing that happened. We are doing this a little bit after the fact, but Charles Grodin passed away recently. Mm -hmm. We talked about it a bit on the show. And we talked about how maybe we should do a Charles 
Groden movie to to kind of commemorate that, and because mm-hmm. he was a you know a, not only a comic genius but a big part of our childhood. He, he was marketed to like our mm-hmm. generation in a weird way in the early nineties. Yeah. Like we were talking about, yeah, totally. And we were talking about about Clifford maybe as a possibility. But I think that one is so like it's almost become like memed. It's so. Mm-hmm discussed on the internet as like a weird movie and a, and a perversely funny movie. Whereas Beethoven, you know, people remember it, people talk about it, but I don't think it gets the attention it deserves for how fucking insane it is. <laughs> it is an insane movie. So let's get right into it. Rob, when was the first time you saw Beethoven? Well, I'm pretty sure that I saw Beethoven in the theaters. It was a huge movie. We had these matinees in the summer, and they would play all these like family movies like Beethoven. And I, whenever my parents wanted to get me and my brothers and sisters out of the house, they would basically send us to the movies, and they would send me to the movies to sort of like look after them. So I'm pretty sure that I saw Beethoven possibly three Three or four times, you know? So you looked after your siblings instead of... Did you not have a dog? What, uh... Yeah, the dog wasn't trained to be a babysitter. It was just a thing to do. Also, it was cool in the movie theater. They had air conditioning. So it was a big movie. I remember seeing this. I remember seeing the sequel. I'm pretty sure that we had them on video because my younger siblings love this movie. It was sort of right up their alley for that age. I was like a little too old for it. I think I was like sort of begrudgingly watching this movie at the time. But you know, I mean it was a it was a huge movie and I I think I remember liking it. I think I remember liking okay. it. Okay. Uh what about you, Blaine? You know I don't remember seeing this movie. I I, I must have seen it because I remember some of the things from it. But I just don't it wasn't the biggest movie. It was a big movie like in the world it was heavily marketed i remember the poster i remember like you know that that scene with beethoven in the bed not that one the the other one uh where he's he's uh toweling <laughs> himself off um so, uh, i remember that so vividly um it must have been in the trailer again and again and again on all oh, the saturday yeah. morning cartoons oh, yeah that was the money uh, shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zoom in there. That's the money shot. Get more. Get more gross. Get that muck phlegmy slobber on, on oh, Charles yeah. Grodin's face. Yeah, yeah. It it was uh, creepy and disturbing. But so I remember it because it stood out. But I I don't know if I ever saw this movie. I wasn't big into dogs. I was scared of dogs when I was a kid. Blame. Um, and still. A little bit. So you were on the side of the evil vet uh, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he seemed to be the most... Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, they can just snap and kill you at any moment? My God. Yeah, you're right. This is a wild animal that we've domesticated and put in our homes while we sleep. Blaine, did you have like a traumatic experience with dogs? I... That you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one point where like I went... As a kid... When we were kids, you were allowed to, I don't know if this is the case with you guys, but we were allowed to, like, leave the house and go do other things. I was allowed to leave yeah, my house. Without, yeah, without yeah. parents' permission and stuff. So we, I, I went oh. into the woods, we went up to, like, the mall, and I remember leaving my friends and walking back home, and a dog, a big black dog, followed me all the way home, growling and barking the entire way. And I, 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 I backed up the entire way with my, my hands up all the way home and no one stopped. I like dogs, yeah? but I had a traumatic experience with a dog where I was picking up 
this girl for like what was really like my first almost sort of oh, date. No. We were going to the yeah. theater, and I opened the door, and her dog came out and bit me on the hand, and it bit me hard. Like oh. I was bleeding. Oh. And like we went to the theater, and all through the performance, I was worried about the bleeding through this band aid all over the theater seats. <laughs> you just like put your so, arm around her, and a dab of blood on her cheek. <laughs> it's a totally sexy. ruined our enjoyment of Cujo. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I am a little bit like apprehensive around some dogs, though. You know, I've I've learned to sort of. Like them. yeah, my wife's family has a a dog that I'm a little afraid of, and every time I go over, they're like, "Don't be afraid of the dog." That's even worse if they know you're afraid of them, then they'll definitely attack you. I'm like what? Stop! I can't not be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna bite you unless you're yeah. afraid. You're not afraid, are you, Blake? Exactly. It feels like mind crimes or something. Like I'm like, oh, I have to like get zen real quick. Don't be afraid of the dog because he can smell fear and he kills. <laughs> yeah, but but recently I started throwing a stick and now we've bonded and I think we're better. I think we're better now. Yeah. Okay. What about you, James? Did you have any like traumatic experiences with the dog? Did you have a dog growing up? I did have a dog growing up. Yeah, I don't like I liked dogs as a kid, but I'm not really a dog person yeah. now. Like I don't think I would want Aww. a dog mainly because I just don't have the energy for a dog like dogs are a lot of work yeah. like that's the thing yeah. like i mean i you know getting back into beethoven like i have kind of like you know flip-flopped completely from like seeing this movie through the perspective of the eager children because i was you know nine when this movie came out and seeing it from the perspective of charles groden like yeah i wouldn't want my family to just like bring home a random dog <laughs> to live with us yeah. i i mean <laughs> Our landlord wouldn't let us, so thankfully I have that loophole. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah. So I, it, it is funny to kind of watch, especially like even that scene you were just talking about that was in all the trailers. Like that was probably the first thing I saw of Beethoven, and you just think like, oh, Charles Grodin, he's such a stink in the mud. Can you even imagine if you just came home and your bed was just encrusted, like, soiled in? Filth, yeah. just completely soiled, and there was this, and it was you know, a dog that did it. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't this you, dog. Night? Yeah, and he was. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Like, yeah. I mean, he he has ruined that bedroom set, and no one else cares cares but Charles Grodin. Okay. Oh, I didn't say when I first saw it. I, when I saw did you it on first see Beethoven? I saw it on video with my parents when it came out. Did you ask for a dog afterwards? And <laughs> this no. is why you we... can't get a dog, J.M. <laughs> I think we already had oh, one. Man. And it, it was just a big movie. Like, I remember there was like a cardboard standy mm. thing in the video store. Like, it's crazy. I mean, it's funny. Like, th this podcast, more than anything, when we look back at some of the big hit movies like this that were sort of modestly budgeted ones that were a big surprise, like, it really reinforces the fact that I have no idea what people want. <laughs> totally. I don't understand people. I don't know what they want. I don't know why this was a huge hit. I don't know why Crocodile Dundee no. was a huge hit. Like sometimes there's just this weird thing where it's like, yeah, that's what America wanted. It wanted a giant dog shaking itself dry while a 56-year-old man got upset, <laughs> visibly upset. And roll over Beethoven plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's get into the actual story because it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. 
That's the other thing. I've watched a lot of the Beethoven movies fairly recently for work. And uh, that was the other thing I remembered as a kid was I knew something upsetting happened at the end. And that <laughs> just thing, one thing I don't want to spoil just one. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil too much, but there is a shot involving flying hypodermic needles Mm-hmm. That uh, I think made me afraid of needles for a while afterwards. Like I, I remember being upset. JM, that. why and, would uh, you be upset about that? I mean, if needles were flying at me today, I would let them all hit me. Give me that second dose. Come on, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> give me that second slash fifteenth dose. <laughs> Keep them coming. You know through what? The air. <laughs> yeah. That's how the vaccine is administered. You get an eight-year-old boy to drive a station wagon into an abandoned warehouse, <laughs> knock a trace full of syringes at you, and just, you know, let the vaccine uh, do its pit- work. That was Ontario's rollout plan. <laughs> <laughs> roll in Thanks, to roll Doug out. <laughs> okay, you want to run down the movie? Okay. <coughs> Beethoven. Beethoven. It starts at this sort of run down i think it's a pet supply store but it's like all grimy and it's raining and there's lightning crashing and there are these two henchmen who are played by uh stanley tucci and oliver platt these great thespians (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's also weird because they did that other movie together the imposters Right. Did they do that before this movie? So are these like the same characters? <laughs> They're like, we come as a team. Beethoven is part of the imposters universe. <laughs> Tucci Platt. <laughs> no, yeah. it's like years after this. Yeah, it's it's just funny to, yeah. to think. Mm. But they are bringing these dogs. And it, it look, in this like place, they it, there are all these dogs in cages. And some of them are hooked up to machines. And some of them have like electrodes on them. And it seems like they're doing some sort of like experiments on these poor dogs. And the lightning flashes. And this mean old man comes out with like these huge Coke bottle glasses. People with glasses are evil. And he says... <laughs> Puppies! I need puppies! <laughs> and why does he need puppies, Rob? Yeah. Well, he's gonna he needs puppies to do these experiments on. The old dogs, it's not it's not it's not working. You know, they have some very scientific things to prove, as we'll talk about later. So he sends these two henchmen to go and get some puppies. And they were going to go and steal some off the street, but they have another idea. Cut to this pet store. There's an adorable puppy there, a little St. Bernard puppy. And he just seems so cute, and he's so eager and full of love, and all these people are coming and taking a look at him, and nobody wants to take poor little St. Bernard home. They pick other puppies and take them home. They have love for those puppies, but not for this poor St. Bernard. That's really short-sighted. Like, what if one of them needs some Neo-Citrin in <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should have strapped some whiskey to him to sell him better. Would have been good. Isn't that what they did with the St. Bernards in, like, the Alps or something? Yeah, they yeah, put them I in the so. little barrel yeah. around their neck. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what the Neo-Citrin ad was referencing. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I was referencing a commercial from 30 years ago. St. <laughs> Bernard's are really only known for Beethoven and those commercials, though. So, I mean, that's about it, right? That's true. Though, as we'll talk about later, they did make roughly 1,400 Beethoven movies. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. There are more Beethoven movies than there are Beethoven symphonies, almost. 
Not quite. But so this dog, nobody seems to want him. At one point, this like mean lady who operates a junkyard is looking for like a mean junkyard dog, and she seems to take an interest in Beethoven. But the the pet store worker's like, I don't know if he's mean. He seems really sweet, and she's like, We have ways of making him mean. <laughs> and then the dog pees on right. her. So, looks like the dog was already mean. At that point, she should have been like, this is the one. I know Perfect. it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to pee on all the intruders. That's what you want. <laughs> but nobody wants Beethoven. And then, at night, Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci come and break into this pet store. They sort of bypass the alarm. And then they kidnap Beethoven and a whole bunch of other puppies and bring them to the lab. Except... This other dog, is it a Jack Russell? I don't know the dog names. This other dog sort of gets out and helps Beethoven escape. And so Beethoven and this other dog escape from the truck while it's moving. And Beethoven hides in a garbage can overnight, and the other dog runs off. And the next morning, Beethoven leaves his dwelling and sort of wanders around. And he just happens to find this grumpy old man picking up the paper. And he's like, this is the one for me. I know it. This is the one who has all the love to give to me. And so he uh, sort of follows him in the house. He wanders around the house. Nobody sees the dog yet. I mean, it's just a little puppy. It's, you, you know, it's this big. It's just a little Or is cute the dog thing. already dead? And it's a ghost wandering through the oh house. Oh, my God. Whoa. <laughs> ghost dog. Ghost dog. <laughs> Was Forrest Whitaker there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, don't we find out that this is like the ghost of the composer Beethoven who's been cursed to live his life as a dog? Isn't that what they uh, are getting at with the name? Isn't that why he responds to the music? No? Well, that makes as much sense as anything because the dog seems to understand English and finance, we find out later on. <laughs> It's a smart fucking dog. I mean, honestly, the dog understands more than I do, at least about finance. <laughs> Definitely about finance, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. But he wa- he wanders into the little girl's room, and the little girl sees him, and she's like, puppy. And then she says the most adorable thing. She says, I dreamt I had a puppy, and then I woke up, and it came true. Mom, look, I dreamt I had a puppy, and it came I take back almost everything I ever said about you being cold and insensitive. Dad, I take back anything I ever said about you, too. Dad, I have everything I ever wanted. I owe you big time. Why? Daddy, can we call him Brad? This is your standard family movie from the 90s household. You've got the dad, the mom, and then you've got, like, teenage daughter, adorable younger daughter son in the middle who's just nerdy as fuck mm-hmm. like this just just aggressively nerdy yeah. little boy and they're all dreadfully white and middle class when the middle class still was, and the boy <laughs> the boy with the glasses was also the kid one of the kids from step by step oh. right yeah <laughs> I thought you were going to follow Experience that up with being a kid. Some some big, some big reveal. No, he's just like I thought he was, he looks so familiar. Oh, okay. I was like, was he in like like is is it the kid from Honey I Shrunk the right. Kids too? But no, that was just a different kid with the same glasses. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. He was pretty good. It's hard to keep track of him. 
like in this movie. Sure. Yeah, they're they're all they're all okay. <laughs> but so then they're gonna have to. I mean, Charles Grodin doesn't want to keep this dog. He doesn't. He says we're not we're people people. We're not dog people. And he's like, oh, the dog will tear up everything and all that. But. The kids really want the dog, and Bonnie Hunt, you know, wants the kids to be happy, and so they're going to keep the dog at least till they find the owner, and that turns out to be not ever. The montage happens, and Beethoven grows up. He becomes like this big, slobbering animal, the one that, you know, does the shaking on the bed, and he grows with the family. And also, Okay, yeah, two things about this, though. First of all, we're like eight minutes into this movie, and they're already doing a time-passing montage, <laughs> yeah. which isn't a great sign. Second thing is, this is where they play rollover Beethoven, mm-hmm. but it's like a crappy cover of it. Yeah, it's Paul like, Schaefer. Is that who it is? Oh, wow. Yeah. Who's singing it on it? <laughs> Paul Schaefer. Yeah, no. roll over Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know who's singing on it, but like I refuse to believe that they couldn't have just licensed the Chuck Berry. Yeah. Because at this point in his career, Chuck Berry was like playing any casino that offered him $1,500 to come with his guitar. Look, like I don't think they, that it would have been that expensive you, to license the Chuck Berry. Maybe did you, them, did you, know? you see the, the kind of stuffed dog they use as the as Beethoven <laughs> later in this in this movie? They were cutting corners anywhere they could. They were, you know, That's they're true. not going to get Barry. Yeah, and it is yeah. a bad cover. It's so bad. I remember when I was a kid not knowing that song and like asking my parents about it, being like, oh, is this a song for the movie? And they're like, no, no, it's Roll <laughs> Over Beethoven. You. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my house. It's Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it was just weird because they're like, no, it's like Roll Over Beethoven. Like uh, it's like, you know, get roll you know get away because there's this new music coming in but i was like i don't understand it makes way more sense if it's about a dog (laughs) you're right it sounds like it was written about this movie (laughs) do you think chuck berry envisioned this movie (laughs) and then he was like oh yeah i guess you could also see it about the composer maybe marty mcfly told him and his cousin (laughs) called and was like chuck it's gonna be this movie they're not gonna use your song but you'll get a little bit you'll get a taste of those royalties whatever whatever you can get but yeah also beethoven has like a rich life like he wanders throughout the town all the townspeople love him give him free food and also he hangs out with his old friend who basically rescued him and saved his life, and they share croissants and all that stuff. So it's it's nice. We get to see a little bit of the Beethoven's yeah, you know, interior life. But in this life. kind of like squeaky clean <laughs> kids movie about this dog and this family, you have this other dog that is that was on the same truck as Beethoven, and and he's this homeless man's dog. And this homeless man is picking up cans to return for cat. Like it, it does, it does kind of go to this weird American underbelly of this small town really fast. Yeah, at the, at the end of the movie, they invite all the dogs to live with them. But the, the yeah, homeless that, man, the homeless man is <laughs> he's still on the street. And by the way, all of the not to skip too far to the end, but they invite all of the dogs that don't have a home back to their home at the end. Those dogs, I don't think, are in Beethoven too. Yeah. So I, I'm just they saying put them something Yeah, something bad happened to those dogs. <laughs> Charles Grodin wasn't putting up with five dogs. Come on. They went on a farm to live <laughs> out in the country. 
But I mean, the kids, they all have like their things like the little girl. She's in school and she likes some boy, but the boy doesn't notice her. And that's tough. But then later on, Beethoven helps the boy notice her because <laughs> he's also he's also a wingman. You know, it's pretty it's pretty great. Again, it makes more sense if it's the ghost of Beethoven <laughs> in the dog. I think you're onto something. <laughs> I would write you a symphony if I could. But since I'm a dog, this is the best I can do. This will be my symphony. <laughs> Charles Grodin, I mean, in his world, he, he's getting ready to expand his business. He runs an air freshener company. On the outside of his building, there's a giant nose. Yeah. Again, and, hitting and, the theme of Beethoven. <laughs> no, I don't know why the fuck he has an air freshener company. It's so random. <laughs> it, I, first, I thought he ran a cocaine factory. <laughs> there's, a, there's a restaurant, or there was, maybe before the pandemic. I don't know if it's still open, but a giant nose in Toronto. It's like on the outside. Has ever been to that restaurant? Oh, yeah. It's like at Jones and Queen. Oh, weird. Yeah, I yeah. do remember that. That was weird. Do you think it's a reference I to think, Beethoven? I think they have a giant piano inside. <laughs> they just play. But Charles Grodin, he's trying to get this loan from um, these two people from a bank or whatever. And it's David Duchovny. Amazing. And it, is it Patricia Heaton, the other person? Yeah. From, yeah. Uh, from Everybody Loves mm-hmm. Raymond and... Uh... Right. Well, I didn't watch Everybody Loves Raymond, but I sure the fuck watched The (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. But I didn't realize, I didn't remember that David Duchovny was in this movie. I was totally surprised. Yeah, that's the other other reason I thought it'd be fun to watch it, because the cast in this movie is crazy. Yeah. And he's pretty fun in this. He has like a very like condescending tone, which... I mean, maybe he's mocking the movie, but uh, maybe it's the character. I, I don't know. I feel like he seems to know what he's doing. He seems to know what movie he's Yeah, in. absolutely. Exactly. I feel like they're like cut and paste from Christmas Vacation, those two neighbors. That's what I was going to say, They're the exact yeah. same hair, the yeah. exact same clothes, the reactions to everything. And the they're just like lines. punishing them for being like... <laughs> wealthy even though the main character is seems to be extremely wealthy from my perspective no i kept mm-hmm. on like he lives in a mansion the whole movie i'm like watching this movie he lives in a mansion he like can afford three kids and a dog they can afford a babysitter but the, the bonnie hunt's staying at home until she's forced into going back to work which is like kind of the next thing that happens because of a birthday wish right and uh, and at work she's just his secretary. It's like all this stuff. Like yeah. they just have way too much money. They don't. Uh, it sickens. Well, me. yeah, it's because there's like a scene where <laughs> they're in bed together, and he's like, "You said I could have one wish for my birthday," and it kind of seems like maybe a sex thing. And then he's like, <laughs> "I want you to come back to work." Yeah, which Bonnie Hunt is hoping is just a sex thing <laughs> at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and then when she, we see her at work, she's yeah, just like I I assumed I didn't realize she worked at his company I, when they were talking about it. It's like yeah, she was basically just his assistant or something, or I guess helping him. But it's also depressing. Like he makes air fresheners. Like it's the most depressing but, but job. It's, it's like, also like, mm-hmm. is he paying her? Like because he's getting the money from the company, so he's paying her in love. So they, it's just all very confusing. But it's great that like one person's job can feed a whole family of well, five people and a dog. God damn it! Well, she's kind of, yeah. I mean, she's kind of a non-character. I mean, no one really has much of a character, but she especially is a non-character. And then when you find out that like her 
uh, when you find out she's going back to work and stuff, and then like her work is just a byproduct of his storyline. Like it, it, man, yeah, yeah. It just makes it's it not great. Yeah, even worse. And she doesn't want to go back to work because she wants to look after the kids, which is fine. But they try, <laughs> they try one babysitter. And one of the children almost dies immediately. This is, this is what's insane. She like slips in the pool and falls in the pool and can't swim. And uh, there's just like not a lot of jeopardy like that in kids' movies nowadays, you know. And I remember that. I remember that being upsetting when I was a kid. Like the little girl. Like it's not like, and no one helps except for the yeah. dog. The dog is the only the most vulnerable responsible character one. in the, in this movie because. It's because, like, the, the babysitter they hired is just this, like, the only person they could find, apparently, is this, like, crazy old woman in the neighborhood who's, like, singing show tunes to the other two Did kids. they not have daycare back then? Like, what's happening? They could afford daycare? Jesus. Anything. <laughs> yeah. It, or just, like, yeah, maybe she could get out of work an hour early because her boss is literally her husband. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe uh, she could do some work from home. Is that a thing yet? <laughs> I don't know. And I did, yeah, this is part of the reason why I didn't think I liked Charles Grodin mm. for a long time. Because not that he's bad in this movie. I think he's good in this movie. And, he, you know, like we talked about, he's good in so many other movies that we discovered later. But, like, there's something about this character that's just so depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, he hates dogs. He hates fun of any kind. And then his job is just, like, they picked, like, the most boring possible thing they could. Like, and you never really see him, I, like, he just... interact with his kids in any meaningful way. Like there's there's no like no he doesn't love yeah there. totally <laughs> like at one point like they're sitting and having breakfast and he's talking about the Duchovny deal and he's like if this deal doesn't go through I'll probably just kill myself like oh my god why would you say that at breakfast <laughs> what is happening he was just the most yeah uh, sad little man that he plays uh, yeah, it really so well so that's why I like he. He yeah. does. He's good. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Like I, I feel but for him now. I, yeah. <laughs> like at this age. I guess. A little bit. I mean, if the movie was like about his depression. <laughs> I think I think that's the subplot. I think that's the people out of this Beethoven movie. Beethoven is the name of his depression. <laughs> he feels uh, like Salieri, you know? No, it's Mozart. Shit. <laughs> that's Mozart. <laughs> that's the wrong. God damn it. You know two composers. <laughs> <laughs> I know three. <laughs> okay. yeah, we talked about Chuck Berry. There we go. <laughs> And whoever did that cover, I didn't compose it. But so Beethoven is the only one who is on to David Duchovny and that person. Because he overhears them talking about how if they give him this like endorsement, because they come to like the the house to Charles Grodin's house and they overhear when Charles Grodin's like in getting tea or whatever. They say like, well, we're we're gonna own the company in six months mm-hmm. if we do this. And Beethoven hears it and understands mm-hmm. it. Beethoven, Beethoven, come on, down, down, down. Giorgio, is there some problem? No, no, just... Did I miss anything? No, no, Giorgio has just gone over all the papers, and he's about to sign. <laughs> just standard stuff, really. It's just, exactly. it's just plain thing. Oh, you get out of here, you mutt. I pitched in college. And yeah, he does like something where he like wraps the leash around the table that they're sitting at, and then like you know, there's he they go f- over the fence, and then he drags them down the street. It's it's 
crazy. <laughs> some hijinks. It's some hijinks. And oh yeah, he saves the girl. Basically, Beethoven is. If it wasn't for Beethoven, all these people would be dead. You know, they'd be dead. They'd be destitute. <laughs> I, I, He's like I, a guardian angel. <laughs> <laughs> but it it does feel so much like a worse version of Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Like, obviously, both were written by John Hughes. And this is, mm-hmm. you've got the yuppie characters. You've got, like, the character with uh, a dumb, boring job, but he's got, like, a big deal that he needs to get through in time. Like, just everything, you know, I, I think that relationship was kind of bolstered by the fact that, like, Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo had done it for so many years in other movies that it felt very lived mm-hmm. in. It felt very real. Whereas like here, it just, it's like, why do you like each Do you like each other? <laughs> like the, the most romantic scene between the two of them is, is accidentally the dog. Oh man. Can we talk <laughs> about the dog. He almost, he almost has sex with a dog he... in this family movie that I watched with my parents and Rob took his sex. <laughs> yeah. Also, like when he starts dirty talking, it's a little much. It's a little much. It's like the whole like, as have you been like a bad little girl and like stuff? Like whoa, whoa, hey, this is a kids movie, folks. Jesus, yeah, that's some yeah. He really says like, talk. <laughs> he says something. Have you been like a bad? I mean, yeah, it's not that raunchy. Except he's talking to a dog. He's talking to his dog. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my notes. My note just says Charles Grodin almost fucks Beethoven. <laughs> If Bonnie, he gets, if Bonnie he, Hunt hadn't walked in that room, this would be a different movie. I think it's already a different movie. I <laughs> he think looks just like you. <laughs> well, it's like he's I think he's wearing ba- your pajamas. He gets in bed with Beethoven, thinking it's Bonnie Hunt. Beethoven starts licking his ear. He starts dirty talking. Clearly, gets aroused, <laughs> and then after an uncomfortable amount of time. Bonnie Hunt comes in and is like, who are you talking to? And then he gets very mad at the dog. Uh, I don't know what more to say about that. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it should be, should have been the thing in the, in the script that was cut out. And then we, you know, we'd find it 20 years later and be like, oh right. my God, can you it believe was part of the, what was the in the novelization that... or something? And, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they kept that yeah. in. This is someone's fanfic of Beethoven. But no. It's in the movie. It's canon. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> and the like oh, Beethoven yeah. is what well, the Beethoven canon is all over the place. <laughs> well, I'm just putting that away. It's it's Pachelbel. That was uh, anyway. Um <laughs> four composers. There we go. See? I'm leveling up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well so also the mean evil vet comes back into the picture because he's done with puppies. And now okay, he wh- needs some big dogs. But also, we didn't know he was a vet at the beginning, right? Because no. it seems it, it seems like the only reason he's experimenting on animals or why he does that is because he's a vet and he has access yeah. to animals, like stray animals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then in the beginning of the movie, he sends two burglars out to rob a pet no, no. store. So it's like, why is he even a yeah, vet? Yeah, I was trying to explain this movie to my wife, and she kept on asking <laughs> questions. And I was like, I don't know the answers to these questions. And that was one of them where it was just like, well, he's a, he's a vet. Like, why, do, why does he need these? And first of all, why does he need dogs for the test to begin with? Like, they're testing yeah. bullets, right? 
They're testing bullets. <laughs> now, what the hell? Thing. So they're testing bullets on puppies <laughs> to see how these bullets work. If these bullets can kill somebody, we do not want them on the market. <laughs> I, just, I just also. I, Oh my God! Look what they did to that dog. <laughs> like, couldn't you? Thank God! It couldn't you do that? these experiments with, like, I don't know, a, a piece of paper and a bullseye, Blade. like, or yeah, buy Blade. a ham at the grocery sure. store, like a dead animal, would a do. mannequin, yeah. or what's that stuff from ballistics gel from MythBusters? Yeah. Don't they have ballistics? Yeah, gel? MythBusters is not going anymore. They could have borrowed a whole bunch of it from there. Like, it's. And also, if you want to have an evil vet, like, kidnapping puppies and experimenting on them, maybe he works for, like, a makeup company. I don't sure. know. Don't yeah. have him testing bullets. Like, And it's also, I, not to skip ahead, but when he we see him doing his test, it's not like there's no, like, scientific rigor or, like, there's no oversight. Control. There's no control. He just whips out a handgun. <laughs> He's going to fire it point blank. It's like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> also, it should be a double blind experiment. E- either he should have the gun or the dog should have the gun and neither should know. Right? E- it's the method. Either way, the cat is dead. We know that. Um, <laughs> Schrodinger. But the <laughs> it's just five composers. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so stupid. It's so it's so stupid. Also, why was he so hell bent on getting puppies? And then years later, he's like, "I need a bigger one." Like, what is there? Is he using that's different experiments? Bigger bullets? You no, know, because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, different caliber, different dog, different. Breeds. I was using a twenty-two, but now I'm up to a thirty-six. I don't know. I, I don't know bullets at all because I'm Canadian, but. That's it's it's just such a weird thing to have in this movie. And like you said, makeup would be great. What if Charles Grodin's company was the makeup company? And then at the end, he sold the company anyway because he didn't want anything to do with that. That's a great message. That would have been good. Send kids. But just shooting them as an (laughs) calling it an experiment. That's like that's not even teaching kids science. That's just blinding them with ignorance. It's horrible. Well, it's also like 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 in the lab that we see at the end with the syringes. I'm talking about like there's all these like different colors and potions. Like Kool Aid. Like, why does he need those when he's just like whipping out a handgun and murdering puppies? Like, <laughs> is that a side business he has? Like, but all, yeah, everything about this it feels like it's being written by a child in real time. Like as the movie unfolds, it feels like snap decisions no, are informing. No, you know what? They had happens. this whole carpet laid out of like all the ways it could go and then they just had a dog run through the room and they were like this is it we <laughs> got it that's great beethoven decided <laughs> beethoven got a co-writing credit <laughs> on this movie oh god yeah this is a... <laughs> he laid a turd and that's where they ended it so <laughs> well there's another crazy scene because the the, <laughs> the guy is so obsessed with this one dog mm-hmm. for an experiment that again is shooting it in the head <laughs> that he he sees that the dog, you know, they bring the dog into the vet. He decides it has to be this one St. Bernard. Oh my. Not a stray dog, not an inanimate object. It has to be the St. Bernard that has been adopted by a family that mm. is now one of his patients. So he has to contrive this whole elaborate scheme where he goes over to the house with fake blood hits the dog to force <laughs> it to attack him and then, you know, rubs the fake blood all over himself, which is an insane thing to do. And also on top of that was 
even though it's fake, like I remember that being weird as a kid being like, this is a family movie. And I know even in the world of the movie it's fake, but now we've got two characters just covered in blood. Yeah. Also, <laughs> the dog really does then attack him. Like, this is like, yeah. it's like, why yeah. do we need the blood? And then I don't like, I don't know how they filmed this in the movie. If they sped it up or something, I tried to rewatch it a couple of times to see how they did it. But he puts his thumbs into the dog's mouth, stretches it open and then forces the dog's head back and forth. I just felt bad for the dog. I was like, PETA, where are you for this movie? <laughs> well, they I didn't did, see they the did. no animals were harm sign at the, uh, on the credits. No, I think I think like whoever it is the monitors that that stuff was pretty okay with this movie because they did use like a mechanical dog head for a mm. lot of the close-ups. Mm. Okay, so mm. that might have been the situation where it was like a robot okay. dog, which is a whole other mm. you know ethical black mirror mm-hmm. can of worms. Yeah, whether the robot the dog is yeah. you know feeling yeah, pain. Exactly, we don't know. Yeah. But that's crazy. Like, so he has, so he's so hell bent on this dog that he has to, he has to bring props and makeup to this house, <laughs> go through this whole thing. The daughter sees him hitting, and it could, it happens to be the young daughter. It could have been anyone. Charles Grodin could have seen him whacking the dog with a. He didn't even look around. Was. He didn't even look around to see if anyone no. was watching him no. as he committed his crime. <laughs> shoot Beethoven said the dog tried yeah. to attack me <laughs> also these yeah. bullets work really well so yeah <laughs> do you mind if I measure its brain <laughs> now that I now that I have shot him oh god anyway and then he injects him with whatever uh, was in that syringe yeah. afterwards because he's like I have it might as well use it Jesus I've got 37 <laughs> syringes I might as well inject I'm a collector something. okay um so they he does but yeah, so the so yeah, kidnapping the dog that belongs to a family doesn't go well, unsurprisingly, because they follow him. They know who he is. <laughs> they go to his house, to his veterinary clinic, <laughs> or his office. Yeah, and yeah, and then they follow him back to his creepy, creepy ass lab, and uh, and they bring the kids, of course, because uh, it's a family adventure. And there are uh, no babysitters in this town. Yeah. <laughs> if they leave them with someone, they will be They'll killed. Drown. <laughs> They'll drown. <laughs> That's um, true. Also, they will th- drown. Charles Grodin does face off against this bad guy uh, at one point with his family in the room. And the guy's like, don't punch me. And Charles Grodin like, I won't. And then he decks him. And Charles Grodin's whole family was like, I respect you now, Dad. And Bonnie Hunt's like, you're sexy. Yeah. <laughs> like It was just... Why is violence like rewarded so much in this? He reaffirmed his masculinity. This movie, it was crazy. He's an evil thing. Yeah, I would have punched him. Yeah. Too. <laughs> All right. So they go. He wanted to shoot a fucking dog, Blaine. <laughs> yeah, but to see if the bullets were. Are you not watching? <laughs> <laughs> it's also we should mention the the evil vet was played by Dean Jones mm. who mm. was like an old school Disney actor. He's in all those live action movies, including I think it's 
the shaggy DA or one of those. Right. So it, it's a bit of stunt casting to have him be in the family dog comedy, but playing the villain. Right. He finally gets his revenge after all these years. Right. <laughs> so they fall into like this warehouse, right? And then there's this whole kind of like shootout that happens in this warehouse. Well, Charles Grodin saves Beethoven from being shot by jumping through the skylight <laughs> and tackling him. <laughs> Yeah. Which is fucking awesome. I mean, it for is. Charles Grodin having his action hero moment. Yeah. Uh, still looking, you know, annoyed while well, he does it. But uh, yeah. And yeah. Then... And then, yeah, like we we're saying, Bonnie Hunt's on the phone. The kid gets in the station wagon, drives into the building, hits a tray of syringes. The syringes go flying through the air and stab the uh, vet. And this is the moment that I found really uh, disturbing as a he child. He dies, right? Oh, oh, and syringes full of poison that don't plunge into him but still kill him. <laughs> so. Even if it's not poison, like I think you would die. But I, I, I forgot. I forgot to mention before friend. that. Before, before, like the 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 syringes is just the icing on the cake, and the cake is the fact that what the Jack Russell Terrier bites him in the penis. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Like, no, not just like a quick like crotch, you know, like bite and a sound effect or whatever. It's like. Maybe thirty seconds of, of the, the the Jack Russell chewing on his dick, mm-hmm. hanging mm. off of it. Like it is my, grotesque. My favorite moment of this mm. whole of this whole sequence, though, is when the the terrier lets go. He sighs with relief. I'm like no, you're, you've been eviscerated. You should still be in pain. Right. Yeah. Like there's no way that he lets go of you, and you're like, oh, well, that's over. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, seek. Oh no, syringes! <laughs> oh no, syringes! Yeah, yeah. And then he dies, and uh, the family is awarded or rewarded for that, and uh, everyone gets what they want. Everyone yeah. gets. He doesn't. What they want. He doesn't. He doesn't really die, but no, it sure seems like he does. It, it, yeah, he. I think he comes back in the second movie or in one of the sequels. Like or something. I, I don't know. I don't think okay. he does, but he oh, is okay. at the end. Okay, well, that's yeah. Beethoven. Good Lord. All right. I've got some trivia questions for you guys after this brief commercial message. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We're back on Rewatchability. We're talking about Beethoven. You know what it is. We've been been talking about it a while. We've been talking about it. Okay, <laughs> Beethoven, I've got some behind-the-scenes stuff for you, some trivia questions. Are okay. you guys ready? Ready, born ready. It's hard to find trivia about this movie because a lot of the info out there on the internet is just about the composer. <laughs> it's just about the real Beethoven. Um, <laughs> what city in Austria was Beethoven? <laughs> this was originally going to star John Hughes regular John Candy. Oh. Mm. And that fell through, unfortunately. As the dog, right? Because um, he's, he's good at playing a Yeah, dog. he was going to wear his Spaceballs yeah, costume. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, and it was going to originally be directed by which movie monster? 
which movie monster? Yeah, I'm being mean, a little playful here. Do you mean which person in Hollywood who has turned out to be a monster or which person who has portrayed a monster in a movie? The latter. Okay. <laughs> huh. Ellen DeGeneres. No, who? Movie monster. Bella Lugosi. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm like Boris. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, it was uh, it was Nick Castle. Who's that? Nick Castle, Chess who piece. he I think he wrote Hook. He went oh. on to instead that, uh, or I guess the following year, direct another John Hughes script, Dennis the Menace. Oh yeah. Oh. If you remember that movie, he directed that instead, and that is uh, yeah Nick Castle, and he famously portrayed Michael Myers in the oh. original Halloween. Oh neat. Nice. Yeah, and I think I, he came back and played him again in the uh, the recent cool. one. Neat. Yeah. Yeah, the recent one, Michael Myers did seem a little a little older in his movements, you know? He was like a little like, yeah. oh, my back hurts while killing you. Yeah. That scene where he stopped murdering people to watch The Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, originally it was uh, directed by, or it was going to be directed by a guy named Steve Rash, who you know from movies like Can't Buy Me Love and Son-in-Law. Mm-hmm. But he was fired for some reason just after they started filming. There doesn't seem to be any information about why that happened. Oh, man. Uh, but he was replaced by though. Brian Levant. Okay. And Brian Levant, or Levant, he directed some other things we've talked about on the show, The Flintstones and uh, Jingle All the Way. He also directed a sequel to a classic Christmas movie that we've talked about on the show. Do you know what that is? Is it Christmas Story 2? Yes, it is mm. Christmas Story 2. Nice. The yeah, with, with Daniel Stern. All right. Yeah. Nice, nice one, <laughs> Rob. Illustrious career. <laughs> so John Hughes isn't actually credited as writing this movie or co-writing it. Yeah. Uh, did you Did you guys catch who the credited writer is? Well, it says like, is it like Edmund Dante or something? Yeah, that's his pen name. He used it a few times. Uh, Edmond Dantes, which Count is a character from which. Yes. There you oh. go. That's the answer, Count of Monte Cristo. You didn't even ask the question. I got in early. Well, Bl- Blaine got in early. Oh. There's no no rules. Uh, well, I do have one more question. <laughs> okay. So this will be the tiebreaker. Okay. okay. The the dogs playing Beethoven, because I think there were a few Beethovens, but at least the main one and I think a few others, were trained by the widow of what legendary movie star? Oh, I know this one. Okay. It was Buster Keaton. It is Whoa, Buster Keaton. Oh, that's crazy. You're right. Yeah. Was, what? Eleanor Keaton. Yeah. That's so she, weird. Apparently, later in life, she raised champion St. Bernard's. So <laughs> they, that's who they called for this movie. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. She had kind of an interesting life. I was reading up a bit about her. She was like a, a dancer in, you know, like the 30s when she met Buster Keaton and then. After Keaton's death, I think she worked as like, you know, because she'd worked with Keaton so much, like she, I think, consulted in movies as like a being a gag writer and, and oh, and that's cool. Visual comedy, yeah, kind of interesting. So it was written by John Hughes under a pen name, and it was co-written by Amy Holden Jones. Do you guys know her? Yeah, well, I know she did. 
she wrote Mystic Pizza and also did the script for Indecent Proposal. Ooh. Yeah. So I don't know if we talked about her when we did that movie. I remember we talked a lot about the novel that that was based on. But she's a really interesting artist, too, because she began as an editor and was was a, a, a famous editor and was actually ready. She was hired to do E.T. She oh. was going to edit E.T. And she dropped out because she really wanted to direct and so she went to Roger Corman, and who I think she'd already edited some stuff mm-hmm. with, and got a job directing her first movie, which was Slumber Party Massacre. Okay. Right. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, which is kind of like a, you know, it, it was written by like a feminist critic. It's, it's you know, from what, what I understand, you know, has a lot of like sort of was was intended as like a feminist parody of slasher movies, but then also had to like tick the boxes of like right. the Corman <laughs> exploitation, you know, movie demands. Right. But you know, I've 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 never seen it, but I've heard about it recently in terms of it being kind of like a somewhat transgressive uh, horror movie that uh, wasn't truly appreciated at watch the it. time. And she's gone on to direct a lot of other stuff. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, I, I again I couldn't find out that much information about how this movie came together how this movie was written because I would have liked to hear how John Hughes and her kind of got together and wrote it. I do think that it was uh, perhaps part of the reason why Hughes' name isn't on it is because, well, he probably didn't care because it's Beethoven, but also I think it was like he left Universal, but he'd already written it when he was with Universal. So it might have been, you know, he just moved on to uh, a different employer. Hmm. But it does kind of feel like... Home Alone kind of ruined <laughs> John Hughes and family comedies for like a period of five years. I think so. Because they had to, you know, you can't just have a story about a dog. There's got to be like two burglars who <laughs> are comedically tortured. And and it's in everything. It's also in John Hughes wrote another dog movie that actually, Rob, we talked about almost doing this week on the show because of the Cruella movie, which was the 96 101 Dalmatians, which is mm-hmm. also like, yeah, totally home aloneified by john hughes so do you think that the vet hated dogs because his mom was killed by a dog <laughs> <laughs> probably well speaking of that vet veterinarians were not happy with this movie oh really they were pissed <laughs> they were like we euthanize the dogs before we shoot them we use <laughs> oh, wait, those we... needles full of poison <laughs> <laughs> we test our bullets on poor people we abduct on a private island. <laughs> on this puppy business. No, <laughs> they pay the families. Uh, though, uh, yeah, the American Veterinary Medical Association sent a strongly worded letter to both Ivan Reitman, who produced this movie, and uh, the MPAA. And they said, quote, artistic license used responsibly should not create unreasonable fears or actually cause harm. And they went on to say, first-time pet owners may be reluctant to bring in their pets for its annual checkups or leave them overnight <laughs> at a clinic for treatment. And I mean, there's more to it than that. But those I don't want anyone to blow find. my dog's brains out. <laughs> <laughs> no one but me. Yeah, the, that's so that's so funny. Vets are notorious for their sense of humor. <laughs> and so, like we said, this movie was a huge hit. It made almost 150 million dollars at the box office, and so it spawned. A lot of sequels. I'm going to try to get How many? as quickly. So many. <laughs> uh, many. I'm not sure. Try to, 
Count as I go, because I didn't number them. First, they made Beethoven second, which I also remember watching with my parents as a kid, which seemed weird because I thought, well, I, I must have been too old to watch these movies at that point. But they rushed that second movie out. <laughs> second movie came out the next year. It came out at the end of 93. Wow. Uh, Quality. It was directed by uh, Rod Daniel, who later made Home Alone 4. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I watched some clips of it on the internet. It was not good. They had to contrive another story where people wanted to uh, kidnap and murder puppies. Uh, Is French to... Stewart in it? He's in Home Alone 4. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe that's what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's French Stewart is in Home Alone 4 with Debbie Mazar. Uh, he's like Marv, I think, and right. his wife. Right. He's not in home. He's not in Beethoven's second, but Debbie Mazar is. Okay. It's her, yes. Her and Chris Pine are. Oh, uh, Chris, no, Penn. No, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me take that again. I, I thought, I, thought I was like, downgrading on your Chris's. <laughs> Holy shit. Chris Pine is in a Beethoven movie. It's, it's her and Chris Penn who are trying to kidnap the puppies because she is like going through a divorce i don't know it was confusing something that really doesn't hold up about that movie is the daughter's arc involves a love interest who is played by danny masterson yeah yeah uh, that's is, what i remember about the movie i did not remember that yeah he's obviously currently on trial for multiple sexual assaults so yeah Beethoven's second. We're probably not going to revisit that on the podcast. The animated series I have to talk about because that's the next thing before the third movie. That weirdly, George, the Charles Grodin character, is voiced by Dean Jones, the guy who played the villain, the evil vet. Oh, that weird. must be so confusing. I remember <laughs> watching the Beethoven cartoon, and I guess, I mean, obviously you don't clue into that sort of thing, but I mean, his voice in this movie is so creepy. He's just like, Get me those puppies. It's all gravelly and like Yeah, he's ugh. doing his Batman. Impression. Nicole Tom who played the older daughter, she was the only cast member to return in their role. Beethoven, did you remember this? He talks in the cartoon. I didn't remember it, but I saw it. Did you see who voices Beethoven in the cartoon? Freddie Rumson. It's Freddie Rumson himself. Joel Murray voices <laughs> Bill's brother Joel voices yeah. uh, Beethoven. Uh, that's why he peed himself in that episode of Mad Men. He was still in character as Beethoven. And did you see that Sparky, the Jack Russell Terrier, who I think is the same Jack Russell who bites the villain's crotch in the movie, mm -hmm. voiced by Joe Pantoliano mm -hmm. <laughs> for some Pants. reason. Joey Pants. My God. Yeah. What, it's, a, it's kind of an amazing cast for a stupid cartoon. All of these movies have just crazy casts. I think you're right. I think it must have been just a St. Bernard uh, <laughs> with like just file folders laid out on the floor selecting <laughs> these casts. So then Beethoven's third, Grodin Hunt, not in it. Instead, they contrive a story where George's brother, played by Judge Reinhold, <laughs> is is looking after Beethoven. And I, I haven't ringer. seen I haven't seen this one, but from reading up about it, they're I think just looking after Beethoven. So I guess like Beethoven's sort of, you know, female partner and all of his puppies have been killed, I'm assuming, because <laughs> they're not in this movie. Hey, Frank Gorshin's in it. Frank Gorshin's in it as the plot involves like hackers, <laughs> because of course <laughs> it does. It was in the early 2000s, I think. And uh, it's hackers like have secret codes on a DVD that like Judge Reinhold accidentally rented because people still didn't understand quite how DVDs worked, I guess. <laughs> 
And then, yeah, they go on a whole adventure with Beethoven. And then at the end, they still have to keep looking after Beethoven because it says George and his family won't be coming back because of unexpected business problems in Slovakia. Okay. I don't wow. I don't know what's happening with the air freshener business that's causing his whole family to relocate to Slovakia. I want to see that. Yeah. Charles Grodin's probably really peeved. Okay, sorry, I'm going to try to get through these quickly. Beethoven's Fifth is about Sarah, the youngest daughter. Judge Reinhold, even Judge Reinhold was like, I, this is, no, this is too much for me. So Judge Reinhold doesn't come back. The fifth one I have seen some of because I watched some of it for work. It is about like buried treasure in a town yes. and the buried treasure of like two dead bank robbers and like people the bad guys are like pretending to be ghosts so you think it's haunted but then at the end it's like a scooby-doo it's basically just yeah, an episode of scooby-doo gonna... with beethoven uh <laughs> the cast includes dave thomas clint howard kathy griffin john larroquette whoa you know big, don't forget tom big stars like that i man oh is he from yeah. from newhart <laughs> john larroquette Okay, Beethoven's big break, they rebooted the franchise. They realized no one would believe that Beethoven is still alive (laughs) in this universe. So it's about a new St. Bernard who also happens to be named Beethoven, who becomes a movie star. His owner is Jonathan Silverman from Weekend at Bernie's and The Single Guy. Oh, my God. But for some reason, he's... He's not in the next movie, which gets really crazy. This one I have seen most of the way through, and it is called Beethoven's Christmas Adventure. And it introduces magic into the Beethoven verse because this is about one of Santa's elves meeting up with Beethoven. Mm. And I should mention that this movie, like the cartoon, has a voice for Beethoven. And the the voice for Beethoven, Beethoven talks, and he's voiced by Tom Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If if Tom Arnold were a dog, he'd be a St. Bernard. I get that. I understand that. That makes sense to me. Okay. He's like, we're going to take down Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get the apprentice tapes. And then the last movie is Beethoven's Treasure Trail. So they oh, oh, gross. Within just a f- <laughs> Isn't that just that a- little bit of hair below your belly button that leads to your pubic area? The treasure yeah, trail? That's what it's called. I've never heard that, but that's that is gross. Yeah. The, this movie they bring back Jonathan Silverman. Of course. He's joined by Christy Swanson. What? Of course. <laughs> And uh, suddenly, even though Beethoven was Tom Arnold in the last movie, he is suddenly silent again. <laughs> he doesn't talk, which is, I think, could just be more just dis- the magic of Christmas. Could be, but I think it's just more disturbing because he's quiet through the whole thing. But you know, like the consciousness of Tom Arnold is still in there right. somewhere. Like, <laughs> it just makes the whole thing so much it's more like upsetting. Flowers for Algernon. He like he like got so right. smart that <laughs> yeah. he lost it all, and it's so sad. <laughs> Santa gave him the gift of ignorance <laughs> that Christmas. <laughs> Give and me they, next. It was like, yeah, they only did like, what, two or three movies since the last Treasure one. So they got, they made two other movies and they're like, oh, fuck it. Just do another goddamn treasure hunt. So it's a treasure. They have to look for a treasure to save a town from developers it's just the goonies it's the goonies with beethoven and the single guy and that killed the franchise and they haven't made another one since oh my god wow that's sad i mean what a journey but (laughs) uh 
Also, I yeah, I mean that's the most direct-to-video sequels I can think of of any franchise except maybe The Land of Before Time. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Air Bud that has the oh line. man oh yeah Air, Air Bud. Bud movies with dogs. It's like with you know with kids where you just like replace the hamster right. without them noticing. <laughs> movies just like keep replacing dogs and did, think that we won't. Wait, what do you mean hamster them? replacing? Did I ever tell you uh, guys that I I met with the head of the Air Bud franchise uh, for a job? And, and did not get it. No. Ah. <laughs> uh. But like we met in this swanky hotel downtown, the Shangri La, and she was like, mm. she was the the only thing I remember from from the meeting was that she she said, this next Air Bud, I want to be like really real, and I want it to be kind of the Breaking <laughs> Bad of Air Bud. Great. And I was like, what yeah. the Breaking Bad? <laughs> I want to see that. And I got really excited. This one's called Meth Bud. <laughs> And then by the end of the by the end of the conversation, I realized she did not want that at all, and all my pitches were really horrible. Wait, so Blaine, <laughs> let's hear your pitch for Air. No, yeah. no, I just came up with stuff on the spot. She was like, "It's, it's no, it was horrible. It was a, the worst." No, ever. no, give us Air give us Bud. your pitch for for Breaking Bud. <laughs> Breaking Bud. <laughs> Breaking Bud is horrible. Um, no, I'm, no, I'm not gonna do. See, this is why I didn't, didn't get, get the, the job, job because I, I had nothing. <laughs> I had nothing. Well, <laughs> what what do, did what drugs do dogs do? Cocaine. Maybe it's, well, like because he he gets into basketball, maybe he starts dabbling in steroids. I mean, for yeah. sure, Hank would have been a drug dog, right? Like works at the airport, sniffs around. Oh for, yeah, that could work. Yeah, yeah. Airbuds trying to like be a mule, maybe go through. I heard, you know, like all those dogs that were trained to smell weed, now they don't have any jobs. Yeah, they're all out of jobs. They, they're training dogs to like smell COVID now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's and they right. they can smell cancer yeah, and stuff. It, it's pretty cool. Put them into the healthcare yeah. system. And they can also, they, they're also dogs that sniff out bad business deals <laughs> and will just attack your investors. <laughs> just having your dog smell a contract. I think that's what this woman did. She was like, nope. That'd be a good service. <laughs> That'd be a good service. Not this guy. Dog well, can pick out stocks for you? <laughs> GameStop? All right, let's go for it. <laughs> I'm all in. I'll get all of my friends on board. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up, because I have no further notes on, on Beethoven. Blaine, what about you? Did you think it was rewatchable? Is, you didn't really remember it This is one of the well. best movies ever made. And okay. I think it's like it has serious underpinnings about like the corruption in society I, I do think it kind of goes into that and then i don't know is this kind of like a weird look at the world through this middle class family that only cares about this dog and there's like rampant poverty and crime in the, and dog related <laughs> crime in their town that they solve uh except for the homelessness they don't solve that I, I don't know i just watched it being like i hate how much they have all the time um i i don't know wow i, I don't i don't do it okay don't, i we're, we're kind of like staring down um you know looking at like i i don't know how you've done it jm but uh but looking at like daycare and stuff and how much it, it costs which is like more than half of what i make so it's it's really scary <laughs> just to see them have three kids and be like we could pay a babysitter but uh we're not going to i'm like do it if you can why not? Anyway, so you got to get into the air freshener I game. I know, I know. 
Scratch and sniff. <laughs> Get one of those big plastic noses. <laughs> I know where one is in Toronto. I'll just go steal it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm never going to watch this movie again. What about you, Rob? Well, I... You know, I when we talked about doing this movie, I thought this is going to be stupid. Why are we why are we doing this? There are so many movies that we could talk about. There's so many great Charles Grodin movies that we could talk about. But I have to say that I found myself laughing at a lot of the hijinks and just like oh. the 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 relationship between Charles Grodin and the dog is so wonderful and hilarious i mean i think i'm just in it for charles groden i mean the way that he his journey if you will his reluctant journey i don't know i find it so funny and endearing i couldn't stop laughing out loud and i like i watched this like after a very long day i put it on at like 12 o'clock at night and i was like i'm sure i'm gonna fall asleep and have to watch the rest of this in the morning but i didn't and uh, I don't know. It, some of it was really funny. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stupid aspects to it. A lot of it is just like bonkers gonzo. Like the needle thing, the, the shooting dogs thing <laughs> is so crazy. <laughs> Why would that be it? That's, a, that's like a first even, draft thought off the top of your head. I'll think about something better later that just never got better. We're going to find out that this is actually how they test the ammunition. They're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> Smith & Wesson takes a dog and then... Uh, that's just how they measure ammunition. Like, you know how cars use horsepower? Right. They use, like, how many puppies it <laughs> yeah, can yeah. kill. This, one, this one's yeah. only a chihuahua caliber. You don't, you don't want this one. <laughs> it's a whole litter you can take out with this one. Yeah, so I don't, you know, I know it's a stupid movie. I know there, it's 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 derivative. It it's very weak. <laughs> so many plot holes to it. It's so stupid, but I ha- I I enjoyed watching it, and uh, I think that if I had kids, I would I would want to watch this with them. I think it's a sort of fun movie. I think the stuff with the dog is fun. I think the stuff with the family is fun. You're gonna I, have to fast forward. Through so much of this, if you're watching it with your kids, I don't know, like that. Yeah, I'd be like, just skip the part where <laughs> he is seduced by the dog. Well, I mean, but this is the thing. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't notice that stuff, and but it like stays that's why with it's you. so shocking when we watch it now. I mean, I didn't remember that they were going to shoot Beethoven with a gun. <laughs> I mean, if I'd remembered that, I would have been horrified. But. You know, I'm sure it just didn't seem like a thing. And then, then also, I grew up on a farm, and there was some, you know, pretty uh, unsentimental w- things that happened to animals. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's just, I don't know. I wish there was more continuity to the Beethoven. Like, I wish in the animated series, if, like, they got into, like, some misadventure, and Beethoven was just like, I stared down the barrel of a handgun. <laughs> like, death doesn't scare me anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can talk now. And I sound like Bill Murray's brother. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this movie. I I see what you're saying, Rob. I think there is some fun stuff in this movie. Maybe like, I just hey, need to get a dog. I don't know. I, I think you get do. Like, dog. sure. Yeah. There's a cute dog. There's some funny actors. You could, you know, there are worse ways to spend uh, 90 minutes. But I think there are just so many weird choices. I mean, this does feel like John Hughes. You know. He famously wrote Home Alone in like a weekend. This feels like he wrote this in a, at a lunch, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, just just piecing together elements from other movies plus a dog and uh, and calling it a day. So yeah, I can't 
totally recommend it. But I do think Charles Grodin is fun. And I like Bonnie Hunt a lot. Like, Bonnie Hunt's More great. and more. We, yeah. we didn't talk about the age difference. That's one thing yeah. that's up a lot. Is, he was is, like, was he 59? <laughs> he was like right? 56 and she was 29. Whoa. Which is like this a big age difference. This is why it was so surprising when Charles Grodin died and it was like, he's 90. It was like, how does that make sense? He was in Beethoven 30 years ago. Yeah, like he, it doesn't even seem like watching it like that. It's a huge age difference. I don't know if that's because he seems young or she seems old. They just maybe it's because I saw it as a kid. They just all seem old to me. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do like them all, and and I yeah, I I enjoy Charles Grodin in this. Quickly before we go, what are some of your other famous or whatever some of your other favorite? Charles Grodin performances because we we did this uh, movie in tribute to him. This is this is a tribute. <laughs> I'll put out there to start. I did see some people talking about this online after he died. I don't know if you guys ever saw the one time he hosted SNL. No, he did this huge meta bit, right? <laughs> Where in the cold open, it's like Gilda Radner and John Belushi talking about how Charles Grodin like didn't come to any rehearsals and like John Belushi's annoyed at him and Gilda Radner's like, oh no, that's just what he likes. And then he comes and he's like this super nice guy, but like he doesn't even know the show's live and he doesn't know he has to do a monologue and like he's just uh, totally kind of checked out. And they keep that conceit going the whole way through the show. So like... Charles Grodin will like flub lines and like comments on the sketch in like the middle of it. So like through the whole show, like even in the middle of sketches, he's playing Charles Grodin who hasn't been to all the rehearsals for the show. Oh, it's one of the great awesome. like meta yeah. jokes that SNL ever did. That's awesome. And, and Charles Grodin is just so uh, charming in it that it, that it, he pulls it off. What about you guys? Do you have any, any favorite performances? Of I, his? um, yeah, maybe we should do this movie on the podcast at one point. But I think Ishtar is a seriously underrated movie, and he. We're oh, yeah. never doing Ishtar. No, we should totally do Ishtar. I, yeah. Okay, I like that movie. I too. loved that movie when I was a kid, and Charles Grodin is in it as like an FBI agent, I think, and he's so funny as like the straight man to these two crazy people that is Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, because you kind of feel for him. Throughout the throughout the movie, more than you feel for either of these main characters in Ishtar. Yeah, and reteaming with Elaine May after Heartbreak right? Kid. There you mm. go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. about you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I would. My favorite is probably what we talked about last week, Heartbreak Kid. But I also remember him being very funny and making an impression in So I Married an Axe Murderer. He just has that little bit there as the. Oh yeah. I think uh, they commandeer his car. Oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's great. Yeah, what about and, you? you? Know, I I recently rewatched Real Life as well, and uh, when I was a kid and saw that, I thought all the funny stuff was Albert Brooks. Mm. And now watching it recently, yeah, I definitely saw it as more like the the subtly brilliant stuff. A lot of it is uh, is the Charles Grodin stuff mm -hmm. so yeah he will be sorely missed and mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's just funny that he was a huge part of the childhoods of of so many people around our age group but you know through these weird movies that 
like Beethoven and uh, and Clifford, like he was just the angry, the angry dad. <laughs> yeah, for a while. I mean, it's weird because he was so ubiquitous. It seemed like at this moment, and then he sort of went away for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he came back, and you know, it's that would be a hard show to revisit because of everything that's surfaced since. But he showed up in Louis, mm-hmm. and, and was. Really good in that. So Charles Grodin, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about him again sometime in the future. But until then, you can subscribe and like the show and rate the show on on whatever podcast app you listen to, uh, be it Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or what have you. You can find us on Twitter at Rewatchability, Facebook.com slash Rewatchability. Instagram is a thing somewhere. And uh, until then, uh, watch out for veterinarians. <laughs> they are evil. We don't want. Don't come after us, veterinarians. Yeah, we don't want a strongly worded letter. They're the worst letters. <laughs> also, they can help you if you get shot and you don't want to go to the hospital. But okay, <laughs> they don't want that either. <laughs> We're going to get a letter now. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.